Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I've met, he's played a part in us starting this church. His name is Peter Haas. He pastors a church down in the cities called Substance Church. He wrote this book, and this book is called Pharisectomy. It's just fun to say, man, Pharisectomy. Because it takes two words and it puts them together. The first word is Pharisee. The second one is different. Um, and, and what happens within this book is he really talks about people's religious experiences. He talks about how we come to church and there's certain things that we expect and we think it's going to look a certain way and we, you know, we actually expect church to look a certain way or we have these ideas of how it looks and it really starts messing with us when it doesn't look the way that we expect. And so what I want to do is kind of unwrap a few portions of his book. But the, the video that I really liked says this. It says there's actually proof, there's scientific proof that says if you are part of a church body it says your financial situation goes up. It says uh, there's less depression. It says even your sex life gets better. Okay, like married people, come on. You guys are like, you're like, I'm so uncomfortable right now. You're talking from sex. Where else do you want to hear it from? I, I don't know, you know. I, anyway, sex is a good thing. I hate to break that. I have five kids, man. Um, I love making you feel uncomfortable right now. Can I just tell you that? I just, I so enjoy that because I'm just sitting in your shoes right now going, I know what they're thinking and it's fun. But what happens is this. I think we think the church has to be all this religion, all this garbage, all this crap. And we go, you know what? Church can actually be a real place where we actually have real relationship with people and with God. And what happens is, you know, we, we start going, well, man, there's all this sin in the world and there's all this junk that's happening. And we realize when we look at this book, Pharisectomy, we look at the church a lot of the issues don't have to do with the visitor or the sin within, you know, the community or anything. It has to do with church people. And so the whole book is written to us as church people saying, time to wake up and let's look at this in a different way. And so it's really a encouraging, it's a funny book, it's hilarious. When you look at how does God want us to portray, how does God want us to live out? How does God want us to actually be the church? Now I have to tell you this, how many of you here have been a part of a church for like over 10 years? How many over 20 years? Okay, you're beyond me. I've only been part of church for about 17. Okay, how many over 30 years? All right, over 40, anybody? Okay, nice. Some of you are very wise. And uh, what, I, what I wanna say is this. Now let me ask you, because I guarantee those that have been a part of a church for over 40 years will raise their hand on this, but let me ask you, how many of you have ever, at least one time, ever witnessed anything just weird in the church. Yeah. I'm here like, I've never been to church and I know there's weird stuff in church, okay? I don't do weird very well. I just don't like weird. I don't like when, you know, you go up to somebody and there's this idea because they've had like a weird church experience. If you've had a weird church experience somewhere, I just want to say I'm sorry. Now, the flip side is in my shoes, I get to like filter all the weird stuff, okay? I get a lot of weird things that happen to me and I have, I have lists and lists of weird stuff that I've been told or things that have happened and typically it's from, it's from people within the church, not from people from outside the church. And what I look at is I go, what do we do with that? And so I just wanna share a few of them. This is, this is a compilation, some, of, some are from me, some are from other pastors, but these are real things actually shared to pastors by their, by their congregants, okay? Right, here you go. Uh, the first is this, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Baptist. 
I don't know why, I just think that's really funny, you know? <laughs> I'm not a Christian, I'm an Assembly Guy guy, but whatever. Okay, N- number two, this, these are real, okay? This is, I'm not making this up. I don't know how you could. Pastor, do you grow weed in your closet? The church member actually wanted to look in the closet to confirm his suspicions. You're welcome to go in my closet anytime. Sorry, I was late to church. My dog Rambo, it's a great name, and I have been witnessing to people. Rambo's a special dog, you know. Um, I don't know if I will be able, this this is my favorite, all-time favorite right here. These these are real, I'm not, just just so you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help with baptisms tomorrow. I'm bleeding from my rectum. I think it's hemorrhoids. By all means, stay home. (laughs) Are you the one who keeps taking the beer off my daddy's grave? No, it's not me. Who's bringing it there, though? That's what I want to know. This one's one's great. So did you fly or did you drive there? That was a question asked of a pastor in the U.S. after he returned from a trip from Africa. (laughs) We never had storms until you came. Those are words said to a pastor after hurricanes Rita and Ike hit. (laughs) We're that powerful. Um, You need to turn all the lights up during worship. You can't worship God when it's dark because he's light. There's got to be a theological response to that. Um, Can you perform a ceremony just short of marriage for us living together? Sure. Do you take this roommate? What do you say there? Um, I really, uh, this one, (laughs) I really appreciate the content of your messages but I can't stand to watch you as you deliver it. <laughs> I think that's a compliment somehow. I think it is. <laughs> no joke. I need you to go catch a peacock that escaped. That, that's why I went to Bible school right there. I can tell you have the anointing of God. My cat can too. All right, great. It's a special cat just like Rambo the dog. I can't run the media. Thank you, by the way, for all. Can we give our media team a hand? They do an awesome job. I can't run the media and worship God at the same time. I can only worship God with my eyes closed. Note to that church member, do not drive and worship at the same time, okay? Are you and your wife getting a divorce? The question was asked of a pastor when he announced his resignation. They were not getting a divorce. (laughs) You need to wear a bra when you preach. Just to be clear, this statement was said to a male preacher. Now, just for a moment. I'm down 50 pounds and we're getting there, okay? So there's a less and less chance of that, all right? So um, you, we're getting lower in that area. You blink too much. It's okay to laugh, all right? It's okay. I just, I wanted to make you uncomfortable this morning because I'm going to step on your toes in a few moments, all right? Um, you blink too much when you preach. You're also a very pale person. <laughs> I think it's the lighting. <laughs> when you, or when are you going to get your own church? This question was asked to the associate pastor. And then when the worship leader stepped down, she said, top that preacher from the podium. It's great. Let's go. Let's go. Working here will help you overcome your seminary education. That's right. That's right. Someone doesn't like seminaries. And then here's the last one I want to share with you this morning. Congrats. This is our last Sunday. The church is dead. Word said to a new pastor on his first Sunday of that church. I'm so encouraged, man. It's great. It's great. Hey, would you just pray with me for a moment? Let's just pray. God, I thank you for us being human. Lord, though we're so crazy and weird sometimes and we make no sense at times. 
God, I just pray this morning that your word would come alive and that it would make sense. It wouldn't be a bunch of religious garbage, but it would be actual information for our life today. Lord, have your way. Would you shut me up and would you speak up through me this morning, God? We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, really quick, it's been a couple of weeks since I was actually been able to share the message, and we've had a, some very special guests the last few weeks. Today we had a great guy on electric guitar, did we not? Thanks for Matt Savage coming back and playing. Love that man. If you don't know, Matt was our worship pastor for about five and a half years, him and his wife and the great family. They're moved now with their family down in short areas, so it's nice having him back playing today. Um, and then last week we had Pastor Bruce Rama, who we're supporting, and he is starting a church uh, up in Pequot Lakes. Uh, he starts January 14th, and that's just an incredible thing happening. And then the week before we had Pastor Derek, our associate pastor, give the word. And so, man, they're just doing a great job, and it's just fun to have other people step in from time to time. This series speaks to me a lot. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. I despised going to church. I thought church was crazy. I didn't like all the do's, don'ts, and the stand-up, sit-down thing. I, I didn't do very well. And uh, church can be one of those awkward things for all of us. If you've been in the church before, there's probably a really good chance you've had that awkward time at least once in your life. Now, let me go back here just a moment, because today, the title of the message today is Your Rabid Pet. Not rabbit, rabid, okay? Your Rabid Pet. My daughter, who's now 15, turning 16 here in January, she was about three years old, and we went fishing together in this little kind of fun little lake over in Forest Lake, and they have a fishing pier out on this lake, and so what we decide is we're going to go, um, I'm going to take my daughter, a little daddy-daughter date, it's going to be fun, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to fish. And so we got there, and I had this little hatchback Toyota Celica car, and she's back by the trunk. My poles didn't fit, and so I had to go in the, in the front to get all the rest of my gear. And I left her back there for two seconds, and literally she's, she's standing at the back of the car. And I'm up here. I can't see her at all. And, and all of a sudden I hear like this, and then this dog just go nuts. Like, and JC turns and just, tears galore, and she's like scared. I go back, and there's this, just creepy, I don't know if I have rabies or not, but this creepy looking dog that's like up in her business, like just like, like right there, you know, like you got personal space, but it was like just, this is my wife, by the way, so it's okay, but like, all right, you're like up in somebody's business, like, ah, and she's freaking out, and she's just crying, and there's tears, and I'm like, I, you ever like wanted to, I didn't, but you ever want to like kick a dog? I almost, I was like, you get away from my daughter, it's on. And, and I look down, this, this dog's like all mangled and its teeth are funky and it's got weird white stuff at the, you know, foam at the mouth and it's got three legs and the tail doesn't work. And I'm like, get out of here. It's a just bad experience. For like the next five years, my daughter, JC, hated dogs. Like hated dogs. Like just, just was like, don't even go. And so much so that her experience with that stupid dog went down to Isaac, my next kid, to Levi, to Justice. Finally, I think it ended with Silas. Actually, I think it ended with Justice because Justice just came out of the womb going, whatever. Um, that's, that's him. He's crazy. And uh, JC, though, because of this fear that she had, Isaac held on to that for a while. He didn't like dogs. They probably don't even remember the story. But it took years, even when we got our dog. And if you've met our dog, <laughs> our dog's like a, just a carpet with four legs, okay? Like it's, it's the most pitiful thing for a dog. But this freaked her out. 
Now let me say this. When it comes to dogs and animals, I know we have a lot of animal lovers within our church, and that's okay. I love animals too. But there's something that you can do. How many remember the Tom and Jerry cartoon with the big bulldog? Do you remember that? And he'd always be what? What was he on? He was on that, that chain, right? He was chained up in his little doggy house. And, and he would get out of that house, and then what would happen when we get to the end of that chain? Right? Here's what I want to say, and we're going to come back to this in a moment, but just hear me out. When it comes to animals, we have two options. You can either chain, chain it, or you can train it. Okay? You can either chain it up, or you can train it. This dog was neither the one that got up in my daughter's business. Why is that important? Because each and every single one of us has a pet like that. And I'm going to explain. We're going to come back to that. Just, just leave that simmer just for a moment. Here's what I want to ask you today. What do you think, and this is just you right now, your own opinion, just think for a moment. What could God do with a unified church? Now, I'm just not talking the bridge. I'm talking church worldwide, okay? It's not, it's not about the bridge church. It's about many churches. Think about that. What could God do if the church, those that said yes to Jesus Christ, came together? Do you think the church would be stoppable? I don't. I really don't. I think the church would be, as best, I think the church offers the hope for the world. I'm sold out to that. I've seen some really cool stuff happen within our community here. We have a lot of churches that come together. I'm going to pick on two this morning. We have the E-Free Church in town, Pastor Lon Bornrood. And then Pastor Kevin Cotter of the Methodist Church. The three of us, we get together once a month thinking, what can we do to help unify the church? What can we do to help the community? What can we do to help the school? What can we do to help the city? And we look at this over and over again. And we look at it like we look at different elements. And so we are seeing that in our small town, St. Francis, seeing the churches come together. Not all of them. I wish all of them did. But three of us going, hey, we want to do things together. And so we've come together and we do different things together. You know, two weeks ago, guys, we had... It was crazy. We had over 350 people out at the Christmas lighting that night in Woodbury Park. And you drive by it now, the lights might look a little different to you. Um, just so you know, you played a part in this and you don't even know about it. Uh, we drove by and we noticed the tree in Woodbury Park, half the lights weren't working. And so we had to talk to our creative team here. And, and this week uh, we replaced them all. And so they look a lot better. We talked to Barb Held at the city, said we'd like to do that for you. And we just, we just donated that to the city and said, hey man, we just, whatever we can do. And it looks beautiful at night when you drive by it now. So just, just FYI, we played a part in that. But we come together as church, and I don't believe that there's anything God cannot do in and through a unified church. Now ask the opposite question. What if it's disjointed? Whether it's, whether it's broken, can God use that? He still can. But what happens when we come together? It's incredible. Here's what happens. Just a couple of things. As a unified body, as a unified church, now just talking the bridge, Here's what happens. We have an attitude of acceptance. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Chris, by acceptance? What, what if that person is in some kind of sin thing? Or, well, well, you ain't the Holy Spirit, are you? I'm not either. So let's allow God to work at that person right where they're at. You ever walked into a place and you felt judged right away? Nobody wants that. Let God work. God is way better at it than I am. I have learned the lesson. And so we've got to have this attitude of acceptance. Second is this. Focus on the common purpose. Well, what's the common purpose of the bridge? It's twofold. Many of you, if you've been around long enough here, you know it. One, we want to connect people with the living God. And then two, we want to be a life-giving church. We want to have fun. We want to make a difference. We don't want to do church. We want to be the church. Are you awake this morning? All right, so third, we want to control our tongue. (laughs) 
Anybody ever have an issue with that? No, it's been like an hour, man. I'm going on an hour strong. I've been controlling it. You ever driven the freeway? Um, you ever work with people that have different opinions than you have? <laughs> I can just tell by the laughter of who has and who hasn't. Controlling our tongue, that brings unity. You're not going to agree with everybody. So just get, just get used to that. You're not. I'm not. I, I've been married for 17 and a half years, 12 years of bliss. And we, some of you get there, and we don't agree on everything. I think it's been maybe four or five hours since we had a disagreement. It's pretty good for us. But then fourth, we need each other. We need each other. See the person next to you? You know, you don't have to look. I don't want to make you feel weird, but some of your, it's your family or your friends. We need each other. That's a unified body. You don't have everything it takes. I don't have everything it takes. You know, we don't. And so one of the most incredible scriptures in all of the Bible is this about unity. It's out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I think we have it on the screen. Do we have it? Awesome. It says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, for those of you that have been a part of the church for over 40 years, 30 years, you guys have heard this verse over and over and over and to the point where we hear it and we don't even realize exactly what this verse is saying. And so I want to look at the context of this verse. Here's what just took place in this verse, just to get us all caught up. If you've never heard the verse before, don't worry. I, one of my pet peeves, we're going to talk about pet peeves in just a moment, but one of my biggest pet peeves when I became a churchgoer at the age of 17, I'd walk in and the pastor would go, well, everybody knows this scripture. And I would be like, I don't know it. I don't know it. And so, just to get everybody on the same page, 2 Chronicles here, chapter 7, one of the books in the Old Testament before Jesus is on the scene, you know, in the flesh, King Solomon, David's son, he builds this just fantastic temple to God. Just huge, and he gets it all done, and he's like, that's what we're going after, that's the vision. He's like, man, we're going we're gonna to buy that building, and now then, we're going to redo it, we're going to restructure it, and, and do all this to it. And he got done with his building, and he said, okay, God, now what? Here it is. Now what? What do we do? And the Lord spoke to King Solomon in this verse. And he says, here's what's next. If my people will humble themselves, you will seek my face, then I will turn from the wicked ways of the nation. Here's the key to this verse, though. And I believe this is a promise still for our nation today. Do you agree with that? I, I believe it is. The promise right here that we see King Solomon desiring what to do from God it doesn't stop there. And, and check this, check this. And I'm talking to the Christian right now who's, who's grown up in the church. We've got to fix our theology on this verse a little bit this morning. Our, our study of God in this verse is this. This was to the church. This was to the Israelites. This was to a nation. This wasn't to every single person in their community. This wasn't to every single person that had some kind of, you know, sin issue or was doing something wrong. It was to who? If whose people? If we put it back up, the scripture. If my people, who are God's people in the Old Testament? That was Israel. He wasn't talking to anybody else. He was saying, if the people who are serving me can get it right, then, then. And so we can't say, Christian, with me this morning, we can't say, well, God's not doing anything because the nations haven't repented. No, it's because we haven't repented. It's not on anyone else. There's going to be sin all the time. 
But he's going, all right, is my church going to step up? Is my church going to seek my face? Is my church going to have humility enough to lay down their belief system in stuff that doesn't matter outside of Jesus Christ and go, all right, God, I'm here. What do you want to do? That's what he's looking for. That's the verse. That's the meaning. The promise doesn't say if everyone in the nation does this. It says my people. Bring that into the New Testament. Jesus is now on the scene. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 19 and 20, these are his words. Jesus says, how do we know his words? They're written in red. It says this, again, some of your Bible doesn't have that. still Jesus' words. I'm just, all right, just, it's all good. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about, about what? If you agree, that's unity, about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Anytime it gets together, at least two people together in unity, God is there. God's there within that unified body. You see, God can do anything, but he asks us to do it together. He asks us to be unified. Now, some of us like to do things alone. We're independent. I'm one of them. We like our quiet time, our me time. We, like, we don't want to let people in or everybody in to what's going on. We, like, when we go through and we walk through different things in our life, whether it, whether it be tragedy, whether it be good things, sometimes we're just like, I just want to be by myself. And sometimes that's okay, that's helpful. But then there's healthy times to go, I'm gonna do this with somebody else. Because guess what? When you're struggling, they can lift you up and it goes both ways. That's a unified body. And I think so often... We think we can do it. We think we're strong. We're independent. We're Americans. We got it, you know? And, and I think so often, just a little side note here today, this verse is talking about prayer. We get so caught up in natural solutions that we forget to ask God for supernatural solutions to things that we have in our life. It's okay. I, I still believe God does the miraculous. It might not look how we think. And let me just say this. You know, I believe that God does the miraculous. I believe God still heals today. But I've seen many times where he hasn't healed. I've seen many times where he doesn't show up the way I want him to. The problem isn't your commitment. I know many people that make up the Bridge Church. You are committed to God. It's not, the commitment's not the issue. The issue is that we get out of the presence of God. That's where things change. That's where things happen, when two or three get together. This January, it's the third year we've done it. From the 1st to the 21st, we're doing a 21-day fast. <laughs> what, Pastor? What? I've got to stop eating for 21 days? No, we're doing a fast. You can fast a certain show if you want. Fast social media. You know, there's a thing called the Daniel Fast. You can Google on later. I'm not going to get into this morning. You can fast meat or, or fast soda. Anywhere where you know that you're giving up something to pursue the presence of God. If we do that as a unified body, and we ask God for what he has for the year 2018, I believe God's going to do some cool things through this church. Now, if you're going, I don't want to fast. I don't believe in this unity stuff. I think some of it, and you're skeptic like I was. Can I just say this, skeptic to skeptic, if you're here this morning. If you quit on God, you have a 100% chance of no miracle. Don't quit on him. He hasn't quit on us. And sometimes I think he should have quit on me, but he didn't. So let me ask you this. If we are called to be a unified church, here's where, here's where it turns into fair second me today. This is part one and part two. I'm not going to get through my whole message today. I'm going to finish it next week. So just bear with me. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a cliffhanger today. If we're called to be a unified church, why is there so much weird stuff that happens in churches? Why? Why is there so much weird? 
Now here, Rick Warren years ago came out, and I believe is probably heard of, maybe you've heard of the five-fold ministry. There's five elements that every church should have. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I just want you to hear this out, the, what these five are. The first is evangelism, okay? I think we have that up there. Do we have that? There it is. Woo, there it is. Tag team back again. All right, so we got evangelism right here. Evangelism, ah! Who sees this word? You're like, I'm bolting for the door. I hate this word, you know? I just hate this word, evangelism. This is like reaching people for Jesus, telling people your story. Bruce talked about that last week. The second one here is fellowship, all right? Fellowship. This is one of those fancy Christian words. You don't walk around talking to somebody, you know, hey, how was your fellowship today? (laughs) You're weird, (laughs) okay? We don't use that word. It's just a biblical word and really mean we're hanging out. We're doing life together. It's okay. And then the third is this, discipleship. This is where we say, hey, we're going to meet one-on-one. We're going to do mentorship. We're going to get into the Bible. We're really going to look at what it means. We're going to read our word together. We're going to pray together. We're going to take it to the next step. We're going to find a couple in the church that we can relate with, and we're going to do some kind of study together. And all of a sudden, this relationship you have with each other and with God, it grows. The fourth, ministry and servanthood. Doing good things like we did in the park, working with the city, feeding the poor, taking care of those who need to be taken care of. And then the fifth, worship and prayer. Some of us, we love worship and prayer. Now, here's where it gets funny. If we want to have a balanced church, if we want church to be balanced in every one of these, you know, 20% each, is that right, math teacher? Is that, all right, good, fine, 20, all right. If we want to have a balanced church, we can't just be about one. We can't just be about one. We need to do it all. We have to do it all. Now, I have two things I want to share. How many of you remember, I don't because I'm not old enough, but how many remember those buckets, and I've seen them now, but they're like a wood slat bucket, and it has steel rim around the bottom and then a steel rim around the middle. You ever seen that? Okay, I heard this illustration at an art conference, and by the way, if you're interested in the art conference, stay with me after service for about five minutes. I just want to talk with you. Uh, you don't know what that is, quick side note, we're going down to Birmingham, Alabama in April to a leadership conference. I want to take whoever wants to go with me, with me. Um, it's a Monday through Thursday, so just see me. We're going to meet up here for five minutes right after church, plug done, back on track. In that bucket, what I was told is every single one of those elements is kind of those five things, your worship, your evangelism, your social justice, your discipleship, your fellowship. And what happens is, when one of those like slides down, water would pour out right there. And so what we have to do as leaders is we have to go, that's the one thing within our church we need to work at so we can bring that back up so that water doesn't fall out of that bucket. Does that make sense? Okay. So to, to tell you, here's what my constant obsession is. You can ask Matt, he's back today with us. You can ask Pastor Derek, he's teaching our K through fifth today. You can ask my wife. I have a constant obsession over and over and over of seeing what we are doing good at as a church and then looking at what needs improvement. Like my brain doesn't stop. I look at that. When we get done today, I'll be like, okay, what did we do with worship? How was the message? What was this? Was our media team, were people greeted as they came in? Did this happen? Did we have somebody waving out in the parking lot? Was, did we get enough sand on the parking? Like, I, like that's my mind. Welcome to my mind. It's a crazy circus, okay? And so that takes place all the time because it, it's, the bridge is like my sixth child. And so I look at it that way and I go, what can we do to improve? What can we do that's not weird? What can we do that makes sense? How can we make a visitor not feel awkward? How can we do all of this? How, you know, what do we do? And so I constantly obsess over what needs 
to be done. I get burdened by what we need to do. You will get burdened by what you think needs to be done as well. Let me show you. Everybody has a pet peeve, right? Do you have a pet peeve? You do. Come on. Your wife or your husband knows your pet peeve. Here, here are some of the top pet peeves, okay? Some of the top ones. Chewing with your mouth open. Is that yours? Somebody's smacking their gums next to you, chewing something. Some, some of you right now are just, you're like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> How about this? Poor driving etiquette. Anybody, is that, is that, uh, that your pet peeve? Poor driving etiquette? How about not washing hands after using the bathroom you watch somebody leave? The good thing is with my middle kid, Justice, the no-filter kid, he just tells them, dude, wash your hands. And it goes really well, not. Um, not very well sometimes. They just look at him like, you're crazy, and I just protect my kid. Here's mine. Mine is when people use Y-O-U-R instead of Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Anybody else grammatically, like, just bugs a snot out of you? Some of you are like, I do that. No, all right. I used to do it. And then now it's become just this huge thing. Now, every one of us, we probably have pet peeves, things that just get to us. But then every single one of us has what's known as a pet purpose. Okay, of those five about church that I talked about, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, ministry and servanthood, worship and prayer, out of those five, you are going to lean towards one of those. Okay? It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to lean towards one. You're going to lean towards one. I, Matt and Kristen, I'm going to pick on you guys for just a minute. All right? He's not on staff anymore, so I can now. Um, so Matt and Kristen, they're looking for the church that fits their family right now. Guess what? Matt and Kristen are different people. Matt, Matt, Floats to one of these, well, Kristen floats to the other. So we need to pray for them so they can find the right church, right? Is that an amen? Yeah, all right. They're like, thanks for embarrassing me. Appreciate it. Never come back to help you again. They know I love them. We all have that, though. And when I first became a Christian, you know what I looked for? You know what I wanted? I was worshiping prayer. When I, I was, they had revival services at every church. And so Saturday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, I, was, I got my friend Doug and I said, we're going to church. We'd go to church services that were five hours long. It was one hour service at the bridge, man. Last week, Bruce went over by 10 minutes. I talked to him. Some of you saw me up here leaning forward, and you're like, I could just feel Chris like leaning forward because we try to stick to one hour of service. We had a fun conversation. But I wanted to get in the presence of God as much as I could. And so I'd find like worship and worship would last like two or three hours and it'd be spontaneous worship and they'd start singing new songs. I thought this was the greatest thing. This is what every church has to be like, just like this. I was wrong. Then what happened is all of a sudden I had this bend towards evangelism. I was like, you know what? Can't we just be real with people? And can't we just by our story and not shoving the gospel down people's throat, but just saying hi to people where we can actually just allow a chance to share our story? Here's what happened. When I was about 25 years of age, I walked into a Borders bookstore. Are they, I don't even know if they're around anymore. Walked into a Borders bookstore, and there was a kid, like a 14-year-old kid, just walking around by himself. And I just believed it. I was supposed to go up and just say hi to him. And if you know me, I'll talk to anybody. I love it, and they love it too. So I go up, usually. So I go up to him. I say, hey, I'm Chris. What's your name? And I don't even remember his name. And I started talking, and he shared about his family life, and things were tough. And I just said, hey, I said, man, I, I get that. I, my family tough, life was a little tough. I understand that. I said, is there a way? Can I just pray with you? And he's like, yeah. And I said, here's the deal, man. I'm not trying to be weird. And I very rarely have I ever done this. And I just said, would you be open to just accepting Christ as your Savior today? And he's like, I need that today. So right there in a Borders bookstore, this stranger within five minutes, he just prayed with me to accept Christ. 
I tell you what, first time that happened, I was like, man, I just need to go around telling people about Jesus. And so now it was like evangelism bend. The bend will change depending on the season you are in, in your walk with God. It will change. Every Christian has a pet purpose. This is where things get weird. This is where it gets weird. Sometimes Christians and churches will be sold out so much on one of those things that it becomes the most important and you want it to be the most important to everyone else. For example, well, if you were really connected to Christ, Pastor Chris, we would do prophetic worship all the time. Or if you were really connected to Christ, you would teach on end times all the time. Or if you were really connected to to Christ, you would do exegetical preaching verse by verse rather than topical all the time. We even go as far to say, it's very Pharisee-like, Pharisees in the Bible, by the way, were those of the religious law that lived and died by the law. The do's and the don'ts. That's not what God has for us today. That's not it, okay? It's relationship. But we go even so far as the Pharisee and we say, a biblical church showcases my pet purpose every Sunday. We go that far. If you have never met a Christian like that, then you're that... I'll let you figure that out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's not wrong to have a pet purpose. It's not wrong. But when we get over committed to our pet, it becomes a rabid pet. How, how many of you just love cute animals? Is that, is that like your thing? You're like, I like cute animals. I like, you know, little cute bunnies and little cute puppies. Here's, here's one I found of a little cute doggy. Isn't he... Isn't he cute? He's so that. So this is kind of like. Just think of this. This is this is your pet purpose. Okay, it's just nice and it's it's gentle and it's loving, and you just you just want to snuggle it and and kiss it and get up in its business, and 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 then there's this Satan's child, man. I mean, look at that thing. This. Are you kidding me? So what happens is when our nice little pet purpose becomes a rabbit pet, it looks like this. You know what happens is we come to church and we're like, I, I want everybody to pet. And you, you like get your pet and it like bites other people's pets and it gets them rabies and all of a sudden it goes through everything. And you want the pastor to snuggle your pet and just have fun with your little pet. And your pet's going around and it's foaming at the mouth and we don't even see it. The dog's just psycho looking. We're going to just leave it up for a moment. <laughs> I'm going to invite the worship team on up as we stare at that for just a moment. But seriously, look at this for just a moment. Do you, see what, do you see what happens though? What happens is this. When we become Christians and all of a sudden we're like, evangelism is the most important or prayer and worship is the most important. And we say, so pastor or the church, we got to find a church that meets that exactly. It has to, has to showcase that every Sunday morning. Now remember, balance. Every church should have every part of that. But if we, if we think it should have ours, it becomes a rabid pet. And what God wants us to do is he wants, to control, he wants us to have a pet purpose. There's a reason that you have a bend, because we all should. We should all have a bend. That's what makes the church unified and together. And so, full circle here, rather than chain up your pet, because it's going to end up looking like this if you chain it. Go back to the cute one, will you? Train it from puppy age. Train it up. Learn those appropriate times. Learn how it fits into what God's doing, whether you're part of the Bridge Church or a different church. 
Or whether Matt and Kristen, well, they're looking for a church down in their area right now. Figure that out. I want to finish with this. We're going to sing one more song together. Jesus makes this illustration, and, and we're going to leave it kind of, we're going to finish Rabid Pets Part 2 next weekend. But Jesus makes an incredible illustration in the Bible, and he talks about sheep in wolves' clothing, or wolves in sheep's clothing, excuse me. Wolves in sheep's clothing. They come to church, and they look like they're, they're good, but they're in sheep's clothing. They're actually wolves. And what, here's what's really interesting. Every time, except once, when Jesus uses this illustration within Scripture, he's actually talking about the person within the church or within, at that time, the Jews that thought, oh, I'm going to do everything just right, and they would bring their pet purpose in, and they, they don't see themselves as a rabid pet. They don't see themselves as a wolf. They see themselves as a sheep, but wolves bite, okay? So train it and realize God has you wired for a certain reason. It could be something you're walking through. It could be where you're at in your life, or it could be because the church you're a part of, and if it's the bridge, we need that gift. We need that pet purpose that you bring. It's a balance. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.